Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online, and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough, and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then, and you're reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself. I got an interesting email this week. He He said, Carol, I really have to tell you that I don't think I can make this work with my wife. So here's the rest of the story. He says, I'm doing all the right things and she's not accepting of them. And you said if I worked on my empathy, we would make things better. We've been married for 14 years. We have three kids. I love her dearly. My addiction has made it such that I really believe in my heart of hearts that I can be the man she needs me to be now that I'm in good recovery. So, Carol, what can I do? How can I get her to trust me again? Now, here is the deal, that what he doesn't know is he's got to do this for a long time. And he's got to do it to show her that he really can help her to heal. So what I want to say to him is don't give up. We'll call him Anthony. Anthony, stay the course. You can do this. I realize most sex addicts need positive reinforcement to know that they're on the right track. But I'm telling you, you have got to keep up the good work. Because the truth of the matter is, it will make a difference. It may take. It may take lots and lots and lots of effort. But you spent lots of years hiding from her, hiding who you were. Now you're in recovery. It may take three to five years to really make it better. Don't give up. And create some supportive people around you that know that you're changing, that can encourage you to stay the course. And thanks for writing, because I know it gets very discouraging when a partner can't trust the good things that are happening. But here's what I know. She cannot get duped again. She is so wounded. She can't hardly even believe that you could keep up these positive changes, because she believed in you before, and you hurt her. So now it's time to do the hard stuff. Stay with it. And, you know, if you have ever seen my book, Help Her Heal, 
and I know you probably have or you wouldn't have written me this. Um, in that book, the chapter on conflict tells you how to protect yourself emotionally when she's not seeing the good things that are happening. And that is so important that you absolutely know can do the next right thing no matter what she says or does. Okay, that's what I would tell him, and I will say to you, my listening audience, whether you're an addict or a partner, um, whether you're in good recovery, you're still having difficulty, or you're actively acting out, and if you're a partner at any stage of your own personal growth, there are some things out there that can really help. Lots of good things by professionals all over the country. So I would encourage you to look up their websites and see what speaks to you. Many of you know I'm doing a workshop on Help Her Heal. The men have to sign up and pay, but the wives can come for free. But they can't come to the workshop unless they buy and go through my course, my online course. They at least have to get through three quarters of it because I want them to have read the information, taken the course, and listened from, you know, listened about all the techniques that I have to help you to help her heal. And then I'm going to be talking some more at this workshop about techniques that you'll find instrumental in making changes. And I'm going to have a question and answer period. I am going to be there for you for three and a half hours, July 18th. If you're a partner, get your husband to go to this. What I know is men need to hear it a zillion times. Female sex addict, you can do this with your husbands. I mean, these are relationship skills that you will need for the rest of your life, whether it's for your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents, your neighbors, your coworkers. These are grounded and very solid. So, that's what I want to tell you. Go to Sex Help with Carol the Coach and take a look at these courses. And if you're a partner who's got one foot in safety and stabilization and one foot in grief, I want you to work on your own post-traumatic growth. And when you do, you can feel good about you. I've got an online course for you, too, to help you know how far you've come and how far you may need to go. I'm a big believer in audiobooks and books and online courses and workshops and intensives. It, you know, oftentimes what we really need to understand is that if one thing doesn't work, you got to try another. So get your butt to these courses and make your life different. That's at sexhelpwithcarolthecoach.com. That's where you can find all the products, all the resources, and you can email me from that site. Okay, now today we have a special guest on that just released a book. And, um, you know, what I know about internal family systems, I just um, co-presented a workshop with Lori Hall, who really also believes in internal family systems therapy. And so tonight we have Jenna Rumersma, who has written this book called All Together You, Experiencing Personal and Spiritual Transformation with Internal Family Systems. And I'm telling you, IFS, as it's called, is all the rage. Everybody's talking about it. Um, it's a way of understanding oneself that takes a look at all your different parts. Now, you would think parts are parts, right? But not necessarily. Um, we have all created parts, the mechanisms that we had to develop to grow up in our families, to grow up in our specific situations. And so Jenna is going to be teaching us some tools 
to improve mood and decrease maladaptive coping. Um, this will increase, for sure, resiliency. And you know I'm all about resiliency. So we're going to find out about the eight C's um, and lots of information about what you can do to change the way you relate to things. And we all know when you change the way you think about things, the things around you change. So I'm interested in seeing how this um, model influences spiritual journey. That's the first time I've really heard about that. And so I'm going to ask her for a couple of takeaways from the book. And um, I'm an all, I'm a lifelong learner. And so this show helps me decide what is it that I don't know that I need to know and learn more about. And internal family systems is an up-and-coming model that, well, I'm telling you, the best of the best are using it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, where do you get your information? You know, if you're an addict in good recovery, you have to continually read about sex addiction so that you can understand your brain. Now, if you're a partner and you've been on this journey for a while, I might be saying to you, stop the reading. Because what I don't want you to do is to be defined by partner betrayal. I want both of you to create new lives. I mean, Patrick Carnes, when he was training us, he said when people are in good recovery, ask them how they're going to live a legacy. Ask them what they're going to do to make a difference. Ask them to work on that stuff so that they take their life to a new level and actually, oh, this is like a double word, actually actualize their potential. I have a feeling that Jenna is going to be talking about this too. So if you, if you haven't heard of Jenna and her book, I really encourage you to go to YouTube and look up some of her videos. Um, I was really impressed by her. And Jenna, I want to thank you for coming on the show and introducing your new book and helping my listening audience learn more about internal family systems. How are you tonight? I'm great, Carol. Thanks. How are you? I am good. And, and so your last name is Remersma, right? Yes, you said it perfectly. Well, thank you. You know why? Because I went on YouTube to hear you introduce yourself so I could do the same thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful name. And, you know, you do so much for ITAP, and that is the organization for our listening audience that helps to certify uh, sex addicts, uh, recovering therapists. And if you're a certified sex addiction therapist, you really have an expertise in knowing what to do to help somebody to recover. And, Jenna, you actually supervise um, all of us. So I was impressed that you've done so much for the community and now you've written this book. What inspired you to write this book? And let me remind my audience, the book is called, I love the the title, Gather You, Experiencing Personal and Spiritual Transformation with Internal Family Systems Therapy. So tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you. Absolutely. Well, I was introduced to internal family systems therapy um, a number of years ago, and it just electrified me. I knew right away that this was going to be such a powerful modality to bring to my clients and to my own life um, in uh, helping my clients to realize healing and growth and change Um, after experiencing betrayal trauma or struggles with sexual addiction. And so I became a trained IFS level three therapist. And what I discovered 
was that um, as I traveled around the country and spoke and taught and worked with people using IFS, uh, people wanted more of it, and there aren't enough of us clinicians um, to meet the demand. And so I wanted to write the book so that the average person could grab a hold of it. Um, it's very easy to read. I wrote it so that anyone kind of from high school on up could easily uh, easily take advantage of it and begin to not only understand, but also apply these transformational concepts in their life. Well, okay, so tell me a little bit about the model. I mean, what would you say you're, you're doing most with clients when they're working on internal family systems? Well, it's fascinating because on one hand, it's simple, and on the other hand, it's very complex. So to understand the model, it really just helps us to become aware that we are not just a singular monolithic uh, person, but we all are made up of different parts. And we kind of intuitively know this because we say this in our everyday language. We'll say, you know, a part of me really wants to go to that party on Friday, but another part of me has had such a long week at work and just wants to go home and binge watch Netflix. So we intuitively understand this about ourselves and IFS helps to concretize it. And IFS teaches us that we are comprised of a core self, uh, which um, I sort of translate for people who are coming from a Christian faith orientation to be understood as the God image within us or the um, many other faith traditions have a word for this, the Atman in Hindu or Buddha or Prana or Chi, um, but essentially the, the core of who we are and it is foundational and unchanging and always there and always positive and a source of healing. Then we have parts of us that IFS calls exiles, and those are the parts that carry our pain and our trauma. So that, those are parts of us that have feelings like shame and rejection, worthlessness, uh, fear, despair, a sense of being broken. And then we have protector parts, and those parts just try to protect us from the pain of our exiles. There are proactive protectors that IFS calls managers, and there are reactive protectors that IFS calls firefighters. So the proactive ones are just trying to prevent us from having to feel the yucky feelings of the exiles, and those would be things like control, people-pleasing, um, spiritualizing, our inner critic is a manager, um, and our firefighters are the parts of us that when we do feel the pain of the exiles, they rush in and try to put the pain out. And that would be things like sex addiction, porn addiction, alcoholism, um, gambling, eating disorders, self-harm, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, dissociation. And what IFS teaches us is that all parts of us even the parts of us that are engaged in unhelpful, damaging behavior, all parts of us are good. And what that means is they're all well-intentioned. They are trying to help us with pain, but they've taken on a role that is not helpful. And when we understand that, it radically changes the way we try to work with ourselves to begin to change and it radically increases our self-compassion. Okay, and so there's this model in IFS that I know you teach, and you, it, you call it moving toward, not away, or against. So that has to do with the different parts, correct? That's right. And typically, the way that we respond when we have warring parts because we all do, and it's actually the warring of our parts that causes almost all of our suffering and distress. So, for example, if someone has developed a shame exile because they've survived 
uh, let's say, early childhood abuse. And they develop a firefighter that drinks alcohol and another firefighter that acts out with pornography. Um, And then they also have a manager that's an internal critic or perhaps spiritualizing manager that shames them uh, from a spiritual or religious standpoint. Then what happens is when they get triggered and their shame exile comes up, then the firefighters jump in and try to put the shame, the pain of the shame out by drinking and acting out with pornography. And then the critic or the spiritualizer jumps in and starts to attack the firefighters and shame them. All of them are trying to help, but they wind up warring with each other. And typically in our faith communities or in our families, sometimes even in our counseling rooms, our strategy to solve this warring of our parts is that we try to move against certain parts, usually the firefighters. So the next day, after a firefighter has been active, uh, the person might wake up and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that again. I promised myself I wasn't going to drink and I wasn't going to look at porn. Um, I'm such a horrible person. I've got to stop it. Which is really the manager, the internal critic, trying to move against the parts that are drinking and acting out with pornography and make them quit. The problem with that solution is that, number one, it very rarely works long-term. What happens is they might settle down for a while if the manager gets really strong, and then they come back with a vengeance. And that's why we have such high relapse rates in addiction The reason why is because that strategy does not appreciate the positive intent of the firefighters that are drinking alcohol and acting out with pornography. And their positive intent is trying to make the pain go away. So how IFS helps us is that it allows us, rather than just engaging in the warring of parts and moving against, It helps us to hold compassion for the firefighters. Notice that's not the same thing as saying that what they're doing is okay. And it helps the individual to connect with their core self, the divine essence within them, which is the source of healing and connection and compassion, and really get to know the parts that are acting out in these ways. And when that happens, it's transformational because these parts usually really appreciate being recognized for what they're trying to do. And they usually started trying to help this individual at a very young age, and they've gotten stuck in these roles of drinking and looking at porn, often since the person was maybe 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. And so when they feel validated and seen, they calm down, They stop taking over, and it turns out that's the first step toward authentic healing, and it is a move toward approach. We move toward them with curiosity and compassion, and that is where the healing process begins, and it's really transformational and highly counterintuitive. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, one of the things that I always tell clients in general is, If you have a really negative sense of self, you're going to be a lot less motivated to really change because you're not going to feel worthy to change. And so IFS sounds like it's a model that embraces each and every part and recognizes the strengths in every part. And when you can recognize the strengths, even in something that looks maladaptive, um, you're much more likely to cooperate holistically, and make some of the changes that you may need to make. Indeed. And one of the phrases I love the most in IFS is just this simple phrase, all parts welcome. And anytime I'm teaching or doing a training with IFS, I love to open with this question to the group. Have you ever been in a place or with a person and felt that literally all parts of you were welcome? 
not welcome once they got their act together and stopped doing the terrible thing that they're doing, but welcome just as you are. And for most of us, the answer to that question is no. And the answer in IFS is yes, because the reality is all parts of us actually are good. They are well-intentioned, but parts become burdened with trauma and they lose access to their positive natural qualities because of the burdening that they take on. And things like addiction and self-harm, those are trauma burdens. And when we understand that and understand that it's coming from trauma, it allows us to open the door to do the trauma healing work. And when that has happened, the, the firefighters and the managers actually can unburden And when they do that, they often turn into or transform into the opposite of what their burdened role was. So it's very common when I'm doing IFS trauma work with a client that if they have, let's say, a burdened part that is an internal critic, when we do the unburdening work or the trauma healing work, the part that has been the internal critic wants to become a cheerleader or a coach. They usually, the part, genuinely hates the job that they've been burdened with, and they would prefer to do the reverse. And that is transformational because what we realize is that part really is a positive part. The critic, excuse me, wants to be a coach, but it's just become burdened with this overwhelming role as a result of trauma. Okay, if you tuned in late, I am talking to Jennifer Riemersmaw, and Jenna is her name. She is the author of a brand-new book about internal family systems, and that book is called All Together You. And I love that because now I get it all together as in parts, correct? Yes, exactly. And so... This book, Altogether You, Experiencing Personal and Spiritual Transformation with Internal Family Systems Therapy, helps people to understand, embrace, accept all of the parts within themselves. And when they do, a natural transformation occurs where the maladaptive, and I won't really say that word, I just did, but the Parts that maybe have been labeled bad or labeled maladaptive actually are then able to take on their natural origin, which was to be helpful and and to protect. And so this book helps you to do that. Now, explain, if you will, the spiritual component to this book. I would love to because the IFS model is a secular model. And what I realized is that many clinicians and clients who have a faith journey would get to a certain point with the model and then turn away from it because of this foundational concept that all parts are good. And many times in various faith traditions, there is this, um, concept of the fundamental depravity of man or original sin. And the way that has often been interpreted in many faith traditions is that we as human beings are fundamentally bad and God or the divine is fundamentally good. And there is this great chasm between. And what broke my heart about that understanding is that um, I think it turned away a lot of people from the healing power of the ISS model unnecessarily because the reality is when we understand that the burdened parts are the parts of us that hold the burden of trauma or in faith language, the burden of sin, that is what is being referred to in the doctrine of the fundamental depravity of man. It's not our core essence because our core essence is the reflection of the divine within us. And so by its very definition, even if you begin in the pages of Christian scripture in Genesis 1-1 of God uh, God making man 
and woman in the image of God. Um, And all the way through the pages of scripture, this is referenced if you're looking from a Judeo-Christian perspective. Um, Jesus said in the New Testament, whatsoever you do to the least of these, you do it unto me. Meaning every single human being has my essence at their core. And so definitionally, that core self, which is what IFS calls it, or what I call it, the the imago dei or the, the God image within us, it is fundamentally positive and undamaged in every single human being. Um, people with a Christian perspective understand a uh, conversion experience to be when the Holy Spirit then activates additional power and salvation, to use Christian language, in that core self. But the core essence is there in every human being. And it is our parts that carry the burdens of sin and that those are the things that actually jump up and take over our lives and separate us from the divine image within us, not the God over there who's looking sort of askance at us over our great big pile of sin that we have to kind of dig through to get over to him, but in fact God in us. God with us, which is the name that God gives himself, Emmanuel, which means God with us in our sin, in our burdened experience, with our burdened parts. And that is a different way. It does not change the theology of Christian scripture or other faith traditions. It just gives us a new lens with which to view that theology And it's a profoundly positive lens that makes a lot of other scripture fall into place. And as I began to integrate these two models, the the faith and spiritual traditions with IFS, there were so many overlaps. Um, In the Christian tradition, uh, individuals are taught that man is created in the image of God. And there's one God with three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God puts man in one body or one fellowship with many parts, and that's on the pages of Scripture. And so it makes sense that we would be one individual with many different parts. In fact, Paul, who's one of the uh, sort of premier authors of the New Testament um, and world-changing mm-hmm. uh, prophets and, and, uh, and ministers of the gospel, said, uh, and very famously, I think it's almost a funny, uh, if you read it in the, in the right light, this funny uh, transcript where he says, I, I don't do the things that I want to do, and these things that I want to do, I don't do, and I want to don't do the things I do want to do, and oh, my goodness, what a wretched man am I, which is sort of a way of saying, I have parts at war. And other areas of scripture say, what is it that causes battles and warring among you? Is it not your desires or your parts that are at war within you? And so what we find is that all through the pages of our faith uh, tradition and a Protestant um, Christian tradition is support and evidence for this very model. But we've really never looked at it that way. And so I wrote the book um, for people uh, who have a faith journey Uh, or for people who are questioning their faith journey, or for people who have been wounded by the church or their faith community uh, because of a different interpretation of their betrayal trauma or their sexual addiction or their pain, whatever form it might have taken, or maybe people who've walked away from their faith because it really, it it couldn't hold up under the, the test of these types of traumas. And um, it allows people to, regain a spiritual journey and to apply these principles in real time. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I love, again, any model that has principles that are very, very positive. And and in, in internal family systems, you talk about the core self and the eight C's. Can you share the eight C's with our listening audience? Of course, the IFS model, um, just to keep it memorable, uh, articulates these eight C qualities that are always uh, an intrinsic aspect of the core self. And we know that we are in ourself, our core self, 
when we feel some of these feelings. And those would be things like calm, clear-minded, courageous, curious, connected, um, all of these eight C qualities. And for a person of, of a Christian faith, that would correspond to the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the same idea that it is the essence of the divine that flows out of us. And so in a really connecting to our divine essence, it is not a striving towards uh, by our parts to get over to God over there, <laughs> wherever over there is. It's actually a surrendering into, because what we discover is that as our parts feel heard and honored and they relax and step back, we spontaneously gain access to that core self that was previously covered up by our parts. And those eight C qualities or the fruit of the spirit just spontaneously begin to be present. There's no efforting required. It is the reverse of efforting. It's not striving. It's actually surrender that helps us to access the calm, curious, compassionate, connected, healing power of the God image within us. Okay. And so obviously when you think about those incredible strengths, they all really create transformation because you're, you're settled into them. You know, you're not conflicted with any of those eight. And so I'm wondering, Obviously, that makes up the core self. And is it helpful to know about our parts in the middle of a crisis like COVID or addiction or betrayal trauma? Absolutely. And what I invite people to do, this is such an easy takeaway, but it's, it's pretty profound. And I call it the principle of the U-turn. And what that means is that when we're in distress, when there is something happening like COVID or betrayal trauma, or we're struggling with an addictive behavior or, um, or thought process, what we want to do, rather than channeling our energy outward at the event or the person or the trauma, um, we first take a U-turn, which means that we re-channel our energy in toward ourselves, and we get curious and we ask the question, what is coming up in me? And when we do that, we might notice that we have, let's say, some exiled parts that are up front, parts that are feeling fear or shame or powerlessness or hopelessness. And when we notice that, that helps us to begin to bring our core self, compassion, and curiosity to those parts and begin to witness them and begin to help them to relax and step back so that we can regain that core, centered, calm, curious self that is always there inside of us. Um, but it also gives us such self-compassion if we have some some protector parts that have jumped up, for example, with COVID or betrayal trauma. Um, many people, when they feel trapped and powerless against something that is larger than they are, like sex addiction or COVID pandemic um, or, or all manner of traumas that are unfolding in our world today, um, we have firefighters that jump in all the time to try to help us cope. An example I love to use in the book is my cookie-eating firefighter. I have an Oreo-eating part, and it likes to go to town when I am under stress. And if there are Oreos in the house, my Oreo-eating firefighter just would like to eat the entire box in one sitting. And then my inner critic jumps up and starts yelling at me. And so rather than um, really getting caught up in that war, if I simply take a U-turn, and I ask the question, what is coming up in me? And I notice that I'm feeling stress or fear or shame. And I had a cookie eating part jump in to try to help me with that. And then I had a critic part jump in to try to prevent me from eating all those cookies. Then 
I can change my approach. I can get curious and compassionate with the cookie eating part and the internal critic. And what I begin to learn maybe is that my cookie eating part developed when I was, let's say, in middle school and was bullied and didn't have any other ways of coping other than um, sugar. And I discovered that sugar made me feel better for just a minute. And so I developed a burdened part that tries to help me with shame by eating cookies. And maybe if I get curious about my inner critic, I might learn that because I was an only child and grew up in a high-performing family, this critic part developed and became burdened, learning to criticize me to try to make me do it right. Because if I do it right, then I will be approved and I will gain love. And so all of a sudden, the entire inner experience shifts for me when I can just be aware of my parts and take that simple action of taking a U-turn, asking what's coming up in me. And when I identify a couple of the parts that are there, just gently bringing my curiosity to them around what it is they're trying to help me with and when they started learning how to try to help me in this way. And that really is a game changer and it really calms the shame that tends to escalate in us when we are coping in ways that other parts of us hate. Well, absolutely. And so you have identified a polarization there. And can you give us some examples of some other polarizations that occur naturally and IFS helps? Absolutely. So anytime that we are engaged in a behavior that we don't like, we have a polarization present. All it means is that one part of us is trying to help us by doing one behavior, and another part of us is trying to help us by making that behavior stop. So we have two parts at war. Both parts are trying to help in opposite ways, and they're fighting each other. So, for example, for your listening audience, um, given that most folks will be tuning in to know more about sex addiction and betrayal trauma, um, sex addiction is a perfect example of a polarization where most people have a burdened part that is trying to help them with shame or with a sense of brokenness or loneliness or being unchosen or not enough by acting out in some way sexually with pornography or affairs or prostitution or hookups, whatever the, the type of acting out might be. Typically, uh, those we have multiple firefighters. Our firefighters tend to travel in packs. The ones that I see the most frequently in my office are sex addiction, alcoholism, and work addiction. So the individual goes on a work trip, has worked way too many hours that day, goes to the hotel bar, after work, throws down a few, and acts out sexually. It's just a really common trio. Our firefighters travel in packs. So those three may take over in the evening after the work addiction part has created exhaustion and fatigue, and they take over for a while. And the next morning, the inner critic or the inner spiritualizer takes over and starts heaping shame on the firefighters. And that's a polarization. The firefighters are trying to help, maybe reduce stress or or cope with shame. And the critic is also trying to help make their behavior stop. And usually it's the critic or the manager that picks up the phone to call people like you and people like me. And they usually call the next day and the manager inside of them picks up the phone and says, I have a problem, I'm drinking too much, or I'm looking at porn, and I need to stop. And so it's so important for us to realize that's not all of who the person is. It's just a part of them that's making that phone call that wants the firefighters to stop doing what they're doing. And we need to also respect what it is that the firefighters are trying to accomplish and bring them on board in order to enact real change. In a polarization, the stronger one side gets, the stronger the other will have to be, which is why very often in addiction treatment, we say white knuckling is just a precursor to relapse because getting the 
try hard to be sober part escalated is just going to escalate the strength of the uh, addict part. And eventually that's just going to lead to relapse and then greater shame. That's how polarizations work. Um, When we welcome all the parts, it completely transforms those polarizations and, and escalates our self-compassion and allows those parts to actually transform so that they're not engaging in those behaviors anymore. Well, and I would imagine there's so much shame and guilt that accompanies sex addiction that this kind of model really does what we believe needs to happen And that is, it's motivating to accept these parts and to see them for what they are. And it will help addicts to find better recovery because they'll feel better about themselves. That is what I have found, um, that when we can help people to really embrace these concepts, that all parts are welcome that there are no bad parts, only bad roles, or good parts stuck in bad roles, suddenly the shame dissolves. Uh, And again, this is so important. I always try to emphasize this and underscore this. What we're not saying is that the activities that the parts are engaged in are good. They're not. Sex addiction is not good. Um, My Oreo eating too much is not good. The critic yelling at me is not doing a good thing, but their intent is good. And as soon as we understand that and have compassion um, and understand that these parts 10 times out of 10 don't actually want to be doing the job that they're doing. They feel stuck in that job and usually they're exhausted and they would much rather be doing something else, suddenly transformation becomes much more possible than when we're just trying to push them down and lock them in the basement. And it's really a beautiful thing. I find that um, self-compassion increases dramatically. Change happens much more rapidly and is much more lasting. Well, that makes sense. And so I'm going to ask you, obviously IFS does influence one's spiritual journey and connection to a higher power. Uh, and you've mm-hmm. shared, you know, spiritual leaders that have really um, prophesied and also advocated for exactly what IFS advocates. You obviously, when you first heard about IFS, I can't remember how you put it, but it, it it was energizing, it exploded inside of you. You knew that it was going to be a good fit for you and your clients. So I'm going to ask you, how has it made you a better therapist? Mm, in so many ways. Uh, first of all, I have had the privilege and the gift of doing my own ongoing IFS work, um, which has changed my life and has just brought enormous healing in my own life, my own experience. And so that always is going to help me to show up in my best self as a clinician, as a therapist. But it also allows me to sit with people literally no matter what their parts are doing. And I have people who come into my office who have parts of them that are engaged in the most dramatic and challenging behavior. And I can genuinely, wholeheartedly sit with people with zero judgment, zero shame, zero agenda, um, and with deep compassion and care for the part of them that's engaged in that behavior because I understand that no matter what that part is doing, it's not who that part is and it's not who that client or that individual is. And that if we can be curious about it and have compassion for where it first learned that that behavior would try to help the person in some way, we open the door to its transformation and healing. And that's the kind of therapist that I want to sit in front of if I'm going to therapy. I want someone who will look at me 
with no judgment, no shame, and will truly see all of me and where all of my parts are truly authentically welcome. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm going to ask you, where can they get your book, um, All Together, You, Experiencing Personal and Spiritual Transformation with Internal Family Systems Therapy? I would love to welcome people to uh, look it up on Amazon.com. It was recently the number one bestseller on Amazon in hot new releases in spirituality and self-help. So that's been very exciting. We have a paperback and a Kindle version available. And my Mm -hmm. website also has a link. And my website is jennareemersma.com. And I know that's hard to spell, so I don't know if you have show notes, but maybe we could put it in the show notes if you do have that. Well, it's definitely on the tag, and it's definitely in the description of the show. So they'll see your name many times, but that, of course, is J-E-N-N-A-R-I-E-M-E-R-S-M-A.com. So, Jenna, thank you so much for sharing this. You know, I know a lot of people are talking about it. I even put in the description that it's taken the world by storm, this internal family systems model. And you do such a great job of explaining it. It sounds like this book is um, an eye-opener for anybody who wants to love themselves. Absolutely. That's my hope, that it will be a great gift to the reader and uh, really be applicable. I have exercises woven throughout the book that people can really begin to work with their own parts right away. And also lots of free resources on my website. I have free videos, downloads, worksheets that people can use to work with their own parts. So my heart's desire is to really help people to access this content and be able to change their lives today. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing more about this model and feel free to come back. Let us know about the projects you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you, Carol. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Make it a good one and we'll talk later. All right, so obviously this woman has made it her mission to um, help make this understandable. And I'm a big believer. It's part of that coaching principle. I'm a big believer in identifying your strengths, seeing your post-traumatic growth, understanding how you became the way you are, and turning that around and making it work for you. And it sounds like IFS is another wonderful way to make that happen. And that's why I say at the end of every show, there's only be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself, all of yourself, all of your parts. And we'll see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol, the coach.